Hello and welcome to the Lifefulness Podcast. We are a no bullshit discussion about reimagining religion and remixing spirituality. I'm your host, Sanderson. And I'm James Croft. Uh, hey, that was a good conversation, wasn't it, James? It was absolutely fucking amazing. Uh, and we're going to warn you right away that we describe ourselves as a no bullshit conversation. And today there, and you know, we always put a little sweary sign on it, but today the swearing is through the roof because our guest is John Parkin. John Parkin, you might not have heard his name, but you will have seen his work. You might well have read it. Uh, if you've seen the sort of Fuck It, uh, The Ultimate Spiritual Pathway, he wrote that book. The book went and sold 600,000 copies. Uh, it has then led on to so many other books all about this. You know, it sounds so simple, but it is about giving up. It's about letting go. It is a profoundly spiritual work, but just written in a totally normal language and we're in no bullshit discussion about reimagining religion and this guy has done it uh and so uh, yeah he then went and sport like there were loads of other people who wrote fuck it guides to everything but he's the original guy and you're just gonna love this conversation because he's so wise and it is a conversation about letting go it's a conversation about listening to uh, your inner wisdom. It's a conversation about really big sort of spiritual ideas connected to Taoism and the Qi uh, and it's all done in a way which is totally accessible. Uh, unlike some of the podcasts we've done where you've really had to have your thesaurus at the ready, right? Yes, this is very down to earth, very simple to understand and I took a lot away from it. Uh, and uh, so we like to sort of say like three takeaways you could get from it. Well, for me, uh, it was like when he said fuck it to all of the expectations and he described it as these relentless, the relentlessness of that. And that really stuck with me, just really thinking about how there is this nonstop churn of ideas and expectations and shoulds and woulds and coulds and all the rest of it. And so that is that relentlessness, is, you know, that idea is just really powerful i totally agree it actually helped me think a little bit differently about some of the expectations i carry around for myself so that was powerful something i got from this discussion was the paradoxical idea that letting go of a goal might help you achieve it i never really thought of things that way but that was a really big takeaway for me oh that's great and that goes into number three uh it was relaxation I mean, honestly, John, he looks relaxed. He sounds relaxed. You love his company. And inside the first couple of minutes, he just spoke about relaxation so often. And I'm going to say that, you know, sometimes I'm relaxed, but sometimes I'm not as relaxed as I could be. And he really sort of made a case for it, uh, both, you know, with his ideas and uh, uh, the words, but also just in his being and the sort of life that he's lived. So, uh, this is an absolute pleasure to like go and give you this conversation. Uh, any other provisors, explainers, anything like that, James? Just that this is a fun, interesting discussion with a fun, interesting person. I had no knowledge of his books going in and I really want to read them all now. So I think it was a success on that front. All right. Here's John. Uh, so, uh, yeah, well, look, welcome, John. Uh, it is uh, for me, Sanderson, then my co-host here, 
James, good to meet you. Yeah. Pleasure. And you are the author of the the first Fuck It books, is that right? Uh, well, yeah, I was, I was the author of the first books to put fuck in the title, really, because there's a lot now, aren't there? But yeah, yeah, 15 years ago, we struggled to get it into bookshops and everywhere, and we managed, and then in recent years, people have come in. But yeah, the, the first books with fuck in the title and with... The with fucking the I'm hesitating to say the word fuck actually. I don't use it. I, don't, I think we're just gonna have to accept that there's gonna be a lot of fuck in this podcast. Yes, this, if you're new to the podcast, this guy has got a book called Fuck I It, know, uh, the Fuck It book. I'm also yes. used it's to be a fuck extravaganza. F it and F and or or something else when I'm recording things. So it's kind of or talking about it. So it's peculiar to say it so often. It's liberating, yeah. isn't it? It is it is liberating and it's it's proven to be therapeutic in a variety of ways, but uh yeah to say it to, to you I, I think what we did was to use the a profanity in a therapeutic or spiritual way very consciously that's what we were doing 15 years ago when it all started uh, and we are going to get into uh spiritual swearing later uh but we're going to get the first question we always ask people is uh yeah did you have uh spiritual background or religious background uh, or philosophical background when you're growing up and uh, what was it uh, very much so yeah i grew up in a, a a heavily christian family uh kind of charismatic christian so that was a my, my parents uh were lay preachers they almost still are they're both around and my my dad does stuff occasionally still so yeah, really heavy, really heavy. And it's funny because I experienced the 70s, mainly the 70s, which was a kind of a Christian version of hippie. So everybody was dressed like hippies, but then telling you what you shouldn't do, which I think that, that partly laid down the, the, the kind of seeds for confusion in my life. So what is it, a fascist version of hippie? I don't get it. I think even, even when I was five, I was kind of going, there's something that doesn't work here. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, is that something that you carried on for a long time? I tried so hard. I remember, you know, when I, in whatever it's called between the time you're born and you hit a teens. Uh, it's not called anything, are they? You got there's tweens. Well, there's tweens kicks in at some time. Yeah. So some, yeah, some, sometime in that period I was trying and I remember sitting there in church kind of going, I've just got to try harder, I've got to try harder, it'll happen, it'll, if I try at confirmation, whenever that was, 13, I was trying, I just, in the end, I thought there's nothing here, and then I, off I went, and I, I suppose, and I was very interested throughout in what it was all about, and I think probably the first thing I got to was humanism, which was, hold on a minute, I, it doesn't feel right that I'm giving everything to God, we're amazing creatures, we humans. Surely I can work this out my own. <laughs> We're fantastic. We don't need something this create something else. So that's kind of where, but I, I, I then continued with a, a kind of philosophical interest and, and then went in my, don't know what, mid, mid late 20s into a, various versions of spirituality. But that's that's zooming forward. But yeah, that's that as a, as a kid, I was just surrounded by it. my my parents were practicing sermons every night. Uh, so and I would I was actually writing sermons for my mum. My first kind of writing job was helping her write sermons. So um. <laughs> wait, how old were you when you were doing that? In my teens. 
I'm so, and you right. were already, she yeah. was just plagiarizing off her child already. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she was. I, I remember writing one. I think we call it work experience, James. <laughs> oh, yeah, unpaid internship, right, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, wrote, I, I wrote one about E.T. and kind of, uh, you know, E.T. is a, is a kind of met Jesus metaphor thing. Um, and it really matched. So because he one. heals people. Well, yeah. I mean, if you think about the whole story of E.T. and kind of, yeah, healing people and the way he kind of ascends back to wherever he's come from. And there's, there's a, there are a lot of uh, parallels. Between... And it, they, he wears a towel on his head. That's true. <laughs> it's perfect. You're a genius, John. <laughs> it hasn't been widely explored. <laughs> Well, thanks so much for that. And then we kick off with our, we've got, uh, so Lifefulness goes and looks at the spiritual community and breaks it down into six different functions that it does and heavily uh, influenced by uh, sort of looking at uh, church building and how that works. And so the first thing we want to ask you is like, what is today, what is your ultimate meaning? What's your, uh, the thing which is most sacred to you? And by the way, we try to do these quick, so that is, that's a massive question, isn't it? I know, and you've only got less than a minute, mate, so come on, take time. I've forgotten what it is. What's the question? What's the thing that's most Ultimate important meeting. to me? Yeah. Uh, family, friends, creativity, and relaxation. That was pretty impressive. That was like four things, but you came up with them very quickly. Well, I could, I could, if you want, I could find a thread between them that just narrows it down <laughs> to one. It's chi, basically, being tuned into chi. That's my one thing. Great. That's awesome. James, over to we're you. We're going to have to dig into that a little bit more because I want to know what that means. But first, we're going to talk to you about where do you find celebration in your life? The sort of ritual celebrations that sort of our secular version of sort of you know, find worship. Yes, worship and finding the best in life. Well, in work, which because we we have run retreats under the the title mainly of "fuck it" for about fifteen years, so that is the closest to a kind of being with people and with the focus on. I was going to say worship, but it's not worship, is it? It's but it's contemplation, celebration, and. Uh, kind of understanding who we are and celebrating that. So that's the closest in, in our job that in this pandemic year, we've only done a couple of those. Uh, so the closest I get to that kind of community and celebration thing is just uh, normally just hanging out with friends. And my thing is just, uh, my greatest joy is laughter. Uh, when, I, when I'm in a, in a group and there's just, that thing happens where it is just so funny and you start to hurt. You're laughing it so, yeah, it's so much it hurts and it just carries on. That is me purely in it. That is the absolute best feeling. Yeah. Uh, the, and then, so the, uh, interestingly, one of the, as we, part of this is trying to find the right translations of worship and actually use two words, which I've studied is of celebration and contemplation of like that can be like it's got that group and it's got that individual uh, and so then the um, third part is community life where do you find your community life well it's funny because we we have moved back to the uk uh, living in brighton hove uh, from the east coast of italy because apart from in our work we were struggling to find community 
uh, we were in a small town, even though my wife is Italian, we were the outsiders in a place where everybody's grown up. So we're back, we, came, we moved back here earlier this year to, because we've got friends here, because we know how gorgeous a place this is to meet well, you know, people, people like you guys and, you know, you, there's lots of organization. You, you know, you're going to meet people more like you in a place like this. And so our, our, our key thing was to, to find, find and refind our community here. And then this freaking pandemic hit where you have to stay, <laughs> you have to keep away from other people. So Fuck it's it. like, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but that's yeah community is really really important to us in in different ways and and it's amongst a group of of really close friends uh and then because we it's funny because i having our our work being um having a community of people into something like fuck it and then having retreats with people it was it's a bit confusing years ago when we used to do lots of retreats because it felt like you had your community. It's a bit like, I suppose, when you've got a very active and vivid and alive work life, you know, and you're going into work and you're really, you know, with people and you can think that's your community until you get sacked or you decide to go and do something else and you go, oh, where's my community? It was at work. So um, I think when, when we had that kind of work thing going on, it was, it was easy to think, oh, that we've got our community, but it, that's not it. It needs to be more family, friends, people around you, people locally as well. So how about personal growth? Where do you find your sort of spiritual path, the way that you grow as a person? Uh, basically, mainly sitting in a bath with Gaia, uh, my wife. And I mean, Gaia is a therapist and I, I'm a, I don't know what I am really, but I kind of just ponder things a lot, I suppose, a kind of lifelong philosopher. And so we just thrash things out all the time. Whatever we're feeling, we just talk about it. Whatever we're wondering, we talk about it. So that's kind of what we do. I mean, Gaia likes nothing more than a, a what I would have regarded as a heavy conversation 30 years ago, because <laughs> I come out of a family, as well as being charismatic Christians, not talking about anything real. So to sit there and go, actually, I'm feeling a little bit tender today, uh, and then kind of digging down into that and seeing what's there and seeing what's happening and seeing why I'm feeling vulnerable. That's kind of what we do a lot of the time. And then the uh, fifth part is like serving others. Where are you, where do you find yourself serving others? It's, it's kind of what I do, I suppose, because um, uh, apart from writing, the, uh, we've written books and two kind of books with pictures in, all called Fuck It. And so apart from that, which doesn't take that long and I only do occasionally, most of the time, we're putting stuff out there. So writing emails to lots of people and blogs and podcasts and, and, and then we have uh, some, a couple of memberships where we're, it's a tighter group where we get together every month and talking to people. And I think I've really, in terms of the service thing, I, if you'd have asked me that five years ago, I would have said, I don't feel I serve anybody. Or I'm not interested in serving or helping or healing that I just do my thing. And if people get something from it, that's fantastic. And I, there's almost like a superstitious thing about if I think I'm healing somebody apart from it being felt like it was narcissistic in some way, egotistical, it, it felt like it would break the spell. It's a little bit like when you ask creatives, you know, what's the secret? And they go, I don't think about the secret. I just, you know, just get, don't, don't ask me again. 
Uh, whereas now I've really, I, in the last few years, I've really realized that I, I, I enjoy serving people and helping people and helping people relax and let go. That's kind of what I like doing. The last one is changing the world. It's sort of our translation of evangelism. How do you get out there and try and make the world different? Uh, again, I probably would have been really uh, even anti the idea that I could only ever do something like that. And yet, you know, over the years, I've seen that some of the stuff we've done, like you guys are doing, does have real effects out in the world. And that, and I, and I adore it because you, you, one knows that every email you get or something that somebody says uh, that's really nice and they say you really helped because that time that I was going through something very, very difficult, you know that each one behind it is 100 people who weren't, they didn't write an email or whatever it is. So um, I like that. I know that stuff that we do does help to change people's lives and changing the world. For me, it's like, um, I don't have an idea of changing the world, but in, in terms of people helping people relax bit by bit and take things less seriously and find their thing, I think it can help to spread that message. I am already loving this. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while, particularly because you've just used the word relaxation more than all of the rest of our guests combined and then but i mean i don't think it's come up once and you're like what's my mission you sound like the dude uh, it is amazing <laughs> and uh and i have uh, from the first time so we met at a uh at something called the happy startup summer camp and uh i from the moment you spoke and uh we chatted always loved your vibe so this is i'm already getting uh, all that i wanted from this conversation and we've spoken about uh, fuck it, your uh, sort of uh, Bible of uh, your sweary Bible. And again, it's quite good to go and get into a, like something really practical. In your book, you talk about fuck climate change, fuck your family, uh, like, you know, and what about fuck coronavirus? You know, how can you look at COVID and say, fuck it? Well, I mean, even... In, and by the way, not how can you in an accusatory way, how do you? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, even in, in that book, in the, the book you're talking about, I mean, I wrote that, uh, whatever, 15 years ago. And it would have been, even back then, it would have been how to say fuck it to climate change. And it wasn't a kind of... It was in, a, in every, every subject I explore. Um, well, I'm, 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 if I'm anything, I'm Taoist which is that I recognize there's a kind of yin and a yang energy that need to be mixed. And in our lives, sometimes we need to be more yin, which is to calm and slow things down and to kind of just settle down and rest. And there's other times when we need to be yang. So my answers, I'm afraid to say, are rather kind of every, in every situation, you fuck it is one thing or another, depending on where you are around it. Uh, and so it's the same with any of those difficult subjects. And with coronavirus, it's like, fuck, it can be so many things in this one. And for me this year, it's at the beginning with all that anxiety. And do you remember? It seems like so long mm. ago, but it, it is just like whatever, seven months ago, is it? Um, 
so yeah, seven months, seven, seven or eight months ago. I remember the first bit, the first few weeks, and I think a lot of us were reading stuff and getting the news and being overwhelmed by this. And I know a lot of people that kind of switched off. They, they went, fuck it, I don't want to know any more about this. And that was their way of doing fuck it, the way of, their way of relaxing and surviving. Mine was like, fuck it, I need to know about this. This is actually a survival issue. We're talking about survival issues with coronavirus. It's like, I want to know what the risks are if I exit, if I go out the front door, you know, and I do, I kind of, I love it. I kind of like apps that calculate stuff. So I kind of, I, I imagine that I have a kind of a risk budget every day. So depending on the numbers of people that have got it out of every 100,000 in Brighton Hove, and depending on whether you can catch it from in the air in a shop and how many people there are, I kind of calculate this. So I, I go, fuck it, I need to know about this. So I really, really researched it and understood it. And so it's this mix. Fuck it is this real mix of, I think what most of us are is we're in the middle of experience, which is like, we're a bit too scared to push it too much and we're, we're too scared to really relax. So we, we have this kind of existence that's a little bit, it's in the middle, it's a bit numbed. And when you kind of go, which is Taoist, if you, when you kind of go, okay, what's here? If I don't have too many strict ideas about where to go, do I need to go further into it? Or do I need to just relax out of it? Do I need to let go? Or do I need to go, fuck it, I'm gonna do it. So in a business, for example, business will be like, fuck it, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna make it, I'm gonna conquer the world, I'm gonna change the world, that is fuck it. But fuck it is also, hmm, didn't really make manage changing the world last year, fuck it, I'm just gonna sit on the beach for the next year. So it can go either way, which is a great, I mean, it's a, it's a great get out in an answer because it really can go either way. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess whenever you might sort of feel a bit embarrassed by the logical inconsistencies, you can obviously just go, fuck it. Absolutely. And I did, because <laughs> I, I, I wrote a book before I wrote Fuck It. And I, 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 I um, that was called actually Punk Spirituality, uh, that never, I never published and I never really looked at since. But I, I, I wanted something that I could actually, in 10 years' time or 15 years' time, go, if it's bits I don't agree with, I can kind of have a way out and fuck it is a great way out. Fuck it, I changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> it works for anything. And believe me, yeah. So for those who are not initiated in the whole outlook then, like if it can mean anything, including opposite things, then what is it exactly? Because that, I can imagine someone saying, well, if you can say, fuck it, I don't want to know anything about coronavirus. Fuck it, I need to know everything about coronavirus. Then what is the fuck it doing there? Like, what is the, the kernel of the approach? Well, it, I suppose, that we're saying fuck to is the tightness, the rigidity, the shoulds and the oughts, the obligation, the traditional, the, yeah, the, whatever one is supposed to do or people tell you should do or what I think I should do because that's what I was taught or what I think is required now or the way you should behave in, in church or in a government building. Uh, so the idea is really we're hit by so many messages in life throughout our lives during childhood and we've all got all these messages saying you should be this you should be that this is how it works this is how it doesn't work well um, this is great we need to listen to we need to tune into some external information otherwise we'd never learn anything the problem is though that we're 
especially as kids, you're told, you know, seen and not heard, listen to this, I know best, just listen to me. But we have this inner wisdom. So underneath this, philosophically, I suppose, is the idea that we have inner wisdom. And if we listen to ourselves more and trust ourselves more, then we're going to find lots of great answers. The problem with that is that we're trained to listen to the stuff outside more than we are to listen to the stuff inside. So at a really simple level, it's like the, the invitation is shut the fuck up all of that for a moment. Let me listen here for a second and then see what there is. So it's like blocking out that for a while. What's going on? Actually, what I want to do, I'm, I'm not after that career thing. What I really need to do is to sit at home and knit. Fuck, fuck it to the rest of it. Just do that. So that's the idea, really. It's like, it's a kind of um, a redressing of the lifelong imbalance between the outer message that we take so seriously and the inner message that we've kind of ignored. That makes a lot of sense to me. I wonder, I guess this is my US perspective coming to play, coming, you know, living in the middle of America. And if I go, fuck it to my obligations, to all these things people are telling me I should do, I'm going to listen to my inner voice. And my inner voice tells me this coronavirus thing is a big load of bollocks and I'm not going to wear a mask and I'm going to have my Thanksgiving dinner with my family. And what I really want to do is have a big Christmas with all the people around me. Is that good? That, isn't that like bad? Like, irres like genuinely irresponsible? Absolutely it is. Yeah. So it, it has to, and it is always within the context of uh, both abiding by the law so I've never, you know, I won't go listen to you in a voice. And if you're in a voice or in a voice is say, go and get that ax and off you go. Yeah. Fuck the law. <laughs> yeah. So it's within the context of, 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 of the law and not doing harm to others. So there's a, but I mean, it's very interesting because over the years, of course, these questions do come up because what we have, when we first hear an idea, which is like, what really I can listen to myself and go from there, what, the, what we immediately go to is, crikey, well, why wouldn't I do this? Yes. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> uh, uh, you're giving me permission to do that? It's all, no, I'm not. I can't give you permission to do anything, actually. But w the truth is that when we do start to listen, the stuff that, the stuff that comes up is not to be irresponsible or harm others or to... So, I mean, sometimes it's to be a bit more selfish. It might be to somebody who's naturally just a selfless helper to actually put themselves first. In fact, we've had lots of social workers and nurses and mm. teachers on our courses kind of going, I am exhausted. I can't do any more. I just need to think about myself. Fuck it to that. So it, it can be about being more selfish without harming other people. But generally speaking, it's just a redressing of that balance. And it's very, very rare. I think it's funny because people go from like a level of responsibility, civil, civic responsibility and life responsibility. And when they say, fuck it, they kind of go down to here. I've never seen anybody kind of go, whoa, just sitting at home kind of going, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, and it would be great if, uh, you know, we've gone straight in at this, uh, the, the deep end, the COVID end. It'd be great to go and let our listeners know your story of, how you became, you started your empire of fuck. <laughs> uh, well, my story really is about, I suppose, holding on too tightly and 
being too stressed and that making me quite sick. So, I mean, I was quite, I wasn't very well as a kid. I had allergies to various things and that, that then I kind of got them again when in my early adulthood. So I, a lot of the time I was interested in kind of alternative therapies, even the spirituality, it was all about kind of how can I just, just sit back more? Because when I was getting stressed and uptight and taking everything too seriously, it would make, literally make me sick. As it kind of does all of us in the end, it just, I'm more canary in the mine because I'd get slightly stressed and I'd get itchy or out of breath. So um, in the end, if, the, if we get really, really stressed and uptight and take everything really seriously, we will get sick. But I was getting sick every day from that. And I saw that when I relaxed and slowed down and did some Tai Chi or meditated, I'd feel better and I would get better. So um, that my journey really, my early journey was because of that, this thing of like, oh, just slow down and uh, and that led us, that led us to giving up the job that I felt was too much, living life in London, bit too much. And we had this really idealistic dream of just going to Italy living in the countryside, setting up a retreat, doing the kind of almost cliched thing, mm. getting in a van. I mean, I'm seeing that like really in at the moment, people are buying vans and camper vans and giving it, selling Hashtag their, van life. Yeah, it, yeah, really. And it's like, I mean, that's just, just what's what, a canal boat or a van. Yeah. People are converting commercial vans for 30 grand or something. It's like, Oh, um, I was reading about that this morning. And I, yeah, well, that's kind of what we did. We put our young boys into a van and off we went a motor home and off we went and uh so we we did this we created this life for for my, for my perspective to kind of go to relax and to live in the in the a real hippie ideal of like live in nature bring the kids up in nature don't worry meditate every day just do tai chi with people and hang out with people and everything's lovely and wonderful and setting this, I mean, you know what the story is, because it's the same, always the same. Setting up a place like that was the most stressful thing I have ever done in my life. And we were going mad. <laughs> so, and I, I got sicker, actually. And I got more ill. And the, the moment, the actual, the fuck it moment was the end of our first summer that we were in business, uh, running retreats at this, you know, we'd bought two houses, we'd converted two houses, we'd, borrowed a huge amount of money uh it was really hard doing it got ripped off left right and center we'd brought electricity and water instead of got a swimming pool and managed to get 70 people in the first year um and but it was absolutely exhausting picking up vegetables from a shop at six in the morning and you know you know what this you can imagine what it's like it was terrible and i was really really very ill at the end of that summer in september we were living in the guest house uh, in two rooms of the guest house and I really wasn't well. I went into the bathroom and I looked at myself in the mirror and I was probably like blotchy and, and dust tired and everything else. And I said, uh, what, what have we done? We've given everything up. We've sold everything. We've moved out here. Uh, uh, we've just, it's a crazy thing and it's not worked. Here I am. I'm as sick as I am more sick than I was. And, um, and then I kind of, there's a switch where I went, Oh, well, because my aim was always to be well. My, my aim was always, if I relax enough, if I eat just rice on its own, I'll be well. If, if I can just find peace in myself and be happy in my skin, I will be well and I'll be healed. And that's the aim in my life. That was my aim. 
And um, yeah, so that moment, look in the mirror and I went, I went, well, my life's not so bad. It's like I wake up, it's sunny every day. I'm having, you know, meals with people and I am getting to hang out and it will get easier. And I've got this guy and our beautiful twin boys. It's like, what the frick are you complaining about? And in the end, you're not that ill. Just abandon the idea of becoming well. And, um, and so I kind of, that really relaxed me because the pressure suddenly left me of, the, of getting well. And, um, and within a couple of weeks, I started to get better. And within six months, I was, I was pretty much completely well. And I was more, I was, I was healthier, you know, I was in good health the summer after and in better health than I've been since I was probably 15. So that's probably 20 years previously. And I've been in pretty good health ever, ever since, you know, if you, it's not, I'm not a great control because I just mainly eat lasagna and burgers and crisps and drink beer. So, <laughs> so, so in a, in a way, jealous. yeah. <laughs> he's actually once you find he's actually 24 he just looks like this <laughs> <laughs> he looks good i think you're looking very handsome by the 90. way <laughs> that's the crisps yeah that's what does it but that's amazing that there's there, there must have been some sort of profound paradox in that that it's when you gave up your desire to get well that you got well then that that was my kind of conclusion from it which was um yeah, when you say fuck it to the holding on, to the the desperate attempt to get anything, whether it's the perfect person in your life, the great job, fulfilling your purpose, changing the world, being well, getting thin, looking great on it, whatever it is, when you say some fuck it to the tightness of that and everything about great design, this is like a Buddhist thing, isn't it? Everything about a great desire and focus has tightness to it. So when you say fuck it to it, this happens. And like a miracle, not always, but generally, you're more likely to attract that stuff in. It's a very Zen way to manifest stuff. And then so the people are listening to this and you have seen a ton of people come through your retreat center and they've been like, oh God, someone told me to do this. I like the book. I just wanted to say, what are some of the things which our listeners, which you know from experience, there'll be people who are listening to this that they're holding on to like what what's the sort of and you mentioned some stuff before but like what are the things that we just don't even know that we're carrying well i mean we could go very deep and maybe we do in a second but i mean this the surface stuff is is pretty much the list of everything we think about and worry about every single day yeah the most common thing is what other people think of me that's one of the most common things that people talk about you know, I can't do that. What would people think? What would my family think? What would my friends say? What would they do? So especially now, even better 15 years ago with the Instagram, you know, Facebook and everything else, the awareness of how people would see it. So that is a tightness in itself. How would people see this? But then you've got the massive list of what people are holding on to. You know, what am I doing in my life? Am I doing the right thing? Am I in the right relationship? I'm not doing as well as I should be. If I can get to that, then it would, and then I'd work it out. So the constant kind of, I need to get there, then, it will, then I'll feel better. I need, to, I need to be that weight and I'll feel better. I need to be uh, meditating every day and I'll feel better. I need to have the right friends and I'll feel better. And it goes on and on. It's absolutely relentless. 
Hey there, we're just going to take a bit of a break from John just for one minute to talk to you about a new course that we are launching in January. It's called Lifefulness 101 and it is dedicated to helping you plan, to helping you achieve and to help you go and decide on what you want to do next year and what you want to do with the rest of your life. It's called Lifefulness 101 and it is a 12-week collective learning experience where we've got great content but because what we do is all about community, you are part of a learning community and so uh, yeah, it is on sale. Uh, if you go and Google Lifefulness 101, there's also going to be the tickets below uh, in the link. And just to say that until December the 3rd, there is a very limited amount of very early bird tickets to 50% off, £90 instead of £180. And yeah, we'd love you to go and check it out. If you've got any questions, get in touch online because we're so proud of it. And we want it to be something which goes and gives you the tools for the year ahead the tools to go and thrive in this really uncertain time and uh, yeah above all we hope that it becomes part of a community for life because that's what we're about so uh, yeah lifefulness 101 go and check it out i have to say I, i i'm experiencing what you're saying kind of quite emotionally because i do feel in myself a lot of things that i hold on to that are like that like i have this i think my biggest one is I feel a need to succeed and kind of make the most of myself. And I'm always worrying that I'm not living up to my own potential. And I always think, well, when I publish a book, then I'll, I'll have lived up to my, or when I, I make my congregation huge, then I'll be living up to my potential. And it makes me very unhappy and anxious. And, and it doesn't enable me to appreciate that I'm actually really good at what I do. I mean, it sounds terrible to say that, but we're doing great. Like we're in a pandemic. We've got tons of people coming. Like we're still holding it together and I should feel good about that. But what I actually feel is what's the next thing I have to get? Like that's just not good enough. So I I really, it's quite moving for me to say what you're saying. And I can feel it as well. I can feel a lot of energy in my body as we're talking about it because it's a, yeah, it's a very deep, thing and it's a kind of hurt it's a it's a bit painful isn't it remembering the the kind of what's it called the the wheel the the rat mouse wheel that we're yeah. on hamster i think hamster wheel there. <laughs> there we go yeah. I'm, combi- I'm, I'm mixing my metaphors of rat race and rat mouse wheel, aren't i yes <laughs> I, I can't imagine that many other than that well maybe maybe people have pet rats do put them in a hamster wheel the minute they get bigger hamster wheels made for the yeah, rats yeah, yeah a rat wheel yeah ooh, ooh, maybe they're eating their own tail as they run around it oh my gosh an ouroborat thank you very wow much. sanderson no but then i mean i'm thinking the meme version of that is an ouroborat and it's just borats eating themselves oh Oh, come on let's quickly make it now (laughs) and i think it was that the word relentless is that when you mention it it's just like you, you said it there and you just forget how much it can come at you again and again, particularly if you're having one of those days, one of those weeks, oh, I'm having one of those pandemics, whatever it might be that, yeah, it's just, it's one thought after the next, after the next, like what are some of the things which you found, which like help people to go and, you know, either to notice it or to say, fuck it to it. Like, there's someone here, there's someone listening to this podcast right now who's just like, 
I want a break from whatever that thought is. Like, uh, like what are some things which are like easy to <laughs> easy to do to get out of a lifetime of worry? But, well, it's, uh, which, yeah, yeah, we got, the, we got the quick things and we got the deeper things. Because um, we alluded a bit to the deeper things, and I'll talk about that in a second. But um, I mean, the great thing, you know, if if one's really into relaxation and calming down and meditating and everything else we start to think of stress as the baddie that we need to move away from all the time. Uh, and it kind of helps to learn how to relax away from stress. But the problem is that every stress and pain is a massive signal to change something, not just relax out of it. So the great thing about pain and anguish and anxiety and worry and me coming, oh my God, I need to, I, I, I mean, I, I'm one of those people that when I get good news about something, it's like, you've, John, you've sold this amount of books. It's like, great, how do we sell another uh, 10 times that? So I have that within me, the same thing of kind of, okay, what's next? I, I'm with good news mm. for about three minutes and then I'm bang on to the next thing. So it's uh, that, uh, so the, 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 the pain, the great thing about fuck it is the reason it kind of works is it's quite unique in the language because it, what it recognizes is that um, the pain arises from our over-attachment to stuff. So when, when there's something that is, is there that's uncomfortable, it's a signal. And the, the signal is to learn from. So it's either to let go of, to relax out of, or it's to change that thing. And so every time there's something painful there, it's like, okay, what can I do? What do I need to do to change this? And it's not just about changing our thinking. I don't, I don't think it's all about just changing our response to shit. It's about, if we can, changing the shit. And, you know, changing our lives if we need to and, and working out in a different place to work or whatever it is. So uh, it's, and, you know, the thing that I've really been dwelling on recently, and it, it really works with this kind of more and more and more thing, which I think a lot of us have learned a lot about this year, but it's like, what, what is needed? What, what do I really need? It's like, just, you know, what do I need to do today? What do I need in my life? How much shit do I need? You know, do we need to live in a bigger house? Do I need a, ni a nicer, no, I don't need a bigger car, a faster car. And just, just at the material level, if I take out the fact that I might need a, whatever it is, a bigger house, a bigger this, a bigger job, blah, 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 but I'm, I, this is what I need, it's okay here. Then you, don't, then you start, you have something to judge. You have criteria to judge those, those kind of um, ground, uh, deep down what's next impetus against. It's like, because I've always, I have been somebody who's gone, okay, done that amount, what's next? What's the bigger thing? It's like, well, what do you need? Well, I don't actually need it anymore. So why do you need to go for that? I don't suppose I do. Well, I'd get bored, wouldn't I? Well, have a go, see what it's like. Don't do it. <laughs> I guess one of the worries, though, that people will have about this and why it's difficult to let go sometimes is you feel like, firstly, you have a limited amount of time. And then secondly, like I feel the pressure of time a lot. Like I, I'm always like, oh, James, you're dying. So get on with it. I literally say that to myself. Like you're literally dying right now. Get on with it. Um, I don't know whether also, that's a great affirmation, James. I do, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Marcus Aurelius did it a lot. Like he was always telling himself. Is he, is he, is he still time. alive? 
He's not. He's not. But he he made a big. What you don't know is that uh, James screams it, and uh, he does it even whilst working with other people. I've heard. If you go on his Slack, everyone's like, James, it's it's distracting in the co-working (laughs) space. They have to stand up and go. I'm dying. That's going to be my self-help book. You're rapidly dying. You're (laughs) dead. Your finger out. You're dying, bitch. but yeah, but that's one thing. But also, it feels like in some professions, in some walks of life, you can't afford to even take a chance on letting go. Because if you do, someone else is not going to, and they're going to go ahead. And if you find out, oh, actually, I am less happy having not gone for the next rung, then you've lost your chance. You know, you're like, really, fuck it in a different way. It's like, I, I missed out. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And it is the truth of some markets, isn't it? I mean, if you're, if I'm into day trading, for example, unless I've got technology that, that gives me something in a, whatever it is, a tenth, hundredth, a thousandth of a second that's quicker than the next guy, then I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose money. Of course, there are markets that are there. But there's, I mean, if you take Taoism, the idea of Taoism is that we, we get in tune with nature and that we kind of follow the way, the natural way. And so that's, uh, the natural way of nature so it's like we might go out with projects in the summer and then we calm down in the winter and you need the combination of slowing down and speeding up otherwise you're exhausted or, or the opposite you're kind of slothful but then we have a natural thing so in ourselves there's going to be a rhythm that's right for us or there's going to be that combination of so i i at times really go for the i've got to get this done quickly i've got to get out there this is a, this is a brilliant idea we have to do it but if, I mean, I, I, an example is it's, we're doing this on a, on a Monday. I worked all weekend because I'm getting stuff out there. But about two o'clock yesterday afternoon, Sunday afternoon, I'm just like, I, I've had it. It's like my battery ran out and I just went to lay down and slept for an hour. And this thing of being tuned enough to know when it's right to kind of go boof and when it's right to slow down. And, and that's that, we go back to the same thing. It's like, what's my inner thing? not just being dictated by the outer thing. Uh, but yeah, the outer world generally says, keep it moving, go as fast as you can. Especially now, it's harder now than it was 10 years ago. 20 years ago, I mean, I was in the advertising industry 25 years ago, we used to spend six months making a poster. Now you do a poster in 20 minutes on Canva. <laughs> you have alluded a few times to uh, the very deep things. Do we have to buy a one thousand pound course in order to get to that knowledge? Uh, yeah, I'm just putting it together at the moment. It's not going to be a thousand pounds. It's a special price of a hundred and ninety-seven. <laughs> very good. But and then you can get onto the next level. <laughs> yeah. Now this is. I'll tell you what I want. I was thinking about, and this is my my wife's work. Really, Gaia's uh, Gaia Polini is her name, and. Uh, she's uh, a therapist in mainly in developmental trauma. And the idea there is it's not, you know, so there's this trauma, which is like significant things that might happen to us when we're kids. But the, the idea of developmental trauma is that, you know, we have certain needs between the age of well, when we're born and six or seven, and they go through a particular, this kind of um, psycho. Uh, the psychotherapy, the, the attachment models of what the needs that you have. And if you don't get them, you tend then to, to create a, an adapted version. So for example, you might become a people pleaser. If, if, you, if you're not getting what you need naturally, you learn how to hear, how to change yourself a bit 
in order to to adapt to get what you need and that becomes a lifelong habit if you find that when you're asking for help people don't give it so you find that people love you if you just help them you be, might become a helper and so this question of like what's really going on for us now the 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 truth is that underneath somewhere is a kind of true playful creative joyful joyous me that's been as well as being kind of stuff covering up because i'm scared about this i'm told to do this i'm scared and we have actually adapted ourselves to get stuff that we need when we're kids and we've kept that as a habit and so the one of the main fuckets that we can do is fuck it to the to to me adapting myself for the rest of the world and what's in here so that underneath i really feel that as the deep thing it's like what's what's actually in here yeah an analogy which i've been using for that at the moment is a bit like when uh you like if someone if something goes wrong with someone's back and then what they do is they just learn how to walk uh, slightly a bit differently or the something goes wrong with your foot you walk a bit differently and oh hold on that's actually going to knock into your back which goes and knocks into your shoulder and you sort of go and sort of grow around it but then it's you know it's it's uh you know, you're living it out, like, and not literally in your body, how you're doing things. And uh, yeah, like working, and do you work with that sort of thing yourself in your uh, retreats? Or is that sort of not, not so much uh, in your own work? Well, we do retreats, either Gaia does the retreats or we do them together now. So yeah, most of our, the, the fuck it retreats are about that. They're about thinking about how we adapt ourselves and then going back to being me. And I think you're, the way you're seeing it is absolutely right. So we become, uh, and look, I mean, one thing to say is, is when we're young, because it's, it's about survival, we can't do, we can't say to our parents, actually, it's not suiting me the way that you're behaving. It's appalling, actually. You should be listening to me because I'm a gorgeous manifestation of God in a little body. And if you, if you do any more of that, I'm going to write to the social services. That risks pretty much, you know, every, our parents, everything. So you can't do it. So you have to do this thing. So it's, it's called a survival, it's called an adaptive method. It's also going to do a survival method. So that thing that you're talking about, which is hobbling along and then everything starts to go and you become like this is necessary as we're growing up. And it's fantastic. You have to, we have to kind of thank our ability to adapt around it. But then when we're growing up, if we're still continuing to do this thing, it doesn't work because the world that actually our, the foot thing it's like oh actually when my foot does work and then you can oh actually people don't respond to me in that way people when i say can you help me they don't go they don't ignore us they say oh what do you want or you know we may not have to people please and and, and try to listen to what somebody wants before we say something we might decide that we can say what what we fancy and be how we are and be natural and they still like us for it and that's when the body starts to come back into this kind of um the body of mind and the end comes into back into that actual thing so how does that work actually look when you're doing it because i'm trying to imagine a fuck it retreat <laughs> and the image i'm having in my head is i'm sure not what you actually do so what do you do with people to kind of reconnect with you know who they are behind all this people pleasing and kind of give up that stuff 
A lot of it is, um, well, I mean, there's a, there's a kind of step, a step by step by step process we've actually had behind a lot of retreats over the years, which is about this tuning in and listening to yourself. So, um, I mean, the first thing is about relaxing because if, if you're going to start listening to yourself, I mean, you probably know what it's like. If you listen to yourself when you're really stressed and pissed off, and you kind of go, what do I need? What do I mainly, if I go, what do I need when I'm stressed? I mainly go chocolate and a hamburger, maybe a beer. But if I relax down and I calm myself down more and I ask myself, what do I need? It might be uh, to listen to myself more, to sleep, to say that thing to my friend that I haven't expressed, whatever it is. So, so it's kind of open to the idea that you can change, relax. This is kind of what we, we've been doing on retreats for years. Um, relax, then listen to yourself. And then when you hear stuff, so if you really start to listen to yourself for the first time and it might, you might, you might get a message, which is like, what the heck are you doing in that job? So you take the message seriously, you take it seriously, and then you trust that it's a good message and you follow it. And that's, that's the kind of process. It's, it's quite simple really. But when people do it, when they, when they have, and you, we do it in, you know, a hundred different ways we do, and put great music on and people would then do this process of like relaxing and it's like uh tuning in what do i need to do i need to move like this and then they follow it and they dance and everything else but the 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 process if you use it in your life if you if you kind of at every point in your life you kind of go oh okay i need to relax tune in listen to myself what's coming up ah I need to, I don't know what, I need to go off and cook myself a spaghetti. You, it's amazing how you recalibrate your life, to, which is then about listening, trusting the message and moving from it. So you, you recalibrate and rebalance your life between outside and inside, which is kind of classic spiritual journey. It's just done in a slightly more um, <laughs> systematic and sweary way. <laughs> and do you actually do swearing? Is there any part of it that involves actually sit? Because like, I'm a, like, do you do like group fuckets? Well, we say we do. We do actually do a group fuckets, especially at the end yes. of the week. Yeah, that's what, that's how we end everything we do, and we talk about how it works because there's quite in the time since we since I wrote the first book 15 years ago, there's been quite a lot of research into what the the profanity fuck and other profanities but mainly fuck what it does in the brain and what it does in our lives so it's actually been proven to be a uh, analgesic a, a pain reliever so when we if, so i mean it's classic thing is if you know if you hurt yourself when you i mean it's like a cartoon thing but if you're hammering something and you hit your finger and you you gotta go fuck 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 it's actually been demonstrated to to relieve the pain better than anything else so, and there's lots of other things around, fuck, it's, it's apparently swear words are generated uh, rather than from the normal language center, which is in the left hemisphere, they're generated from the right hemisphere, which is our more creative, present, playful part of the brain. So when we swear, the bit of the brain we're using quickly switches from left to right, oh, which I is kind of... I have to look into that. And it, I mean, it's a, this, we used to talk, before I knew this, before I, I read this, I talked about for years, you know, 10 years ago, that what fuck it is doing is it's, it's like a bridge between the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere. And so the left hemisphere is 
you know, I mean, this is very broadly and simplistic, but the left hemisphere is about his language, its future and past, its planning, its analysis, etc. The right hemisphere, broadly speaking, is more present, creative, playful, open, uh, innocent. Um, so it's, it's kind of, it's kind of more Zen. This is more, and this is more, huh. And, and so what you do when you say fuck it to anything that tend the stuff that we where when we're, when we're stressed out, we tend to be over here. It's like, oh, oh my God, how can I do it? Everything's going to go wrong. I don't know why I did that. Things are awful. My life is falling apart. What you were trying, what we have to try and do is get over to here. And you can do it by amazing relaxation technique or beer or drugs or whatever it is. But you can also do it by saying fuck it. And then I found out that literally saying the word fuck takes you from here to here. <laughs> it's like, way. <"Wait." laughs> I went to see uh, Tony Robbins, which is a real uh, a real treat, uh, and it's a, many, a multi podcast series in and of itself. But he, I mean, he he swears, he like you know he and and for him he you know it goes and gets you. It also sort of like goes and jars you out of a lot of the normal thought patterns you have around things and. Uh, his own research, I'm never a hundred percent sure on, but uh, he apparently Freud would also, when doing therapy, you know, well instead of just saying uh, the member would, you know, use the word penis, or he would talk about sex, or talk about the vagina, and that was something which would go and shock people out of their sort of accustomed ways of thinking, the sort of tram lines of consciousness that we're stuck on, and it does go and particularly because we're so surrounded by language. You know, we're so surrounded by not only in our heads, but now more so than ever on phones, on screens, wherever it might be. And so much of it is very carefully passed out, very corporatized, very neatly sort of uh, making sure it's in the right quadrant. And it's like, oh, actually, fuck it. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's like a little moment of peace. And you're right. I mean, I, I remember reading in Tony Robbins uh, 25 years ago, really, the idea of the pattern interrupt that he'd talk about. That the pattern, and that's what, that's what he's talking mm. about here, isn't it? That form of language, the, the, the language that catches us is the pattern interrupt. The, the question then becomes, if you overuse it, if, I mean, I, as I said, we were the first to put fuck on the cover of, of, of books. It, it's now everywhere. It's on lots of books. And if people yeah. are saying it all the time, does that therefore wear out its effectiveness? If you say it a lot, does the effectiveness of, of what I was talking about this and what Tony Robbins is talking about of jarring you and bringing you out of it, does that wear off? Yes. And the, they've, done, they've done experiments on this. If you swear all the time, the, the, the potency of the word fuck wears out. But then that's why your sequel was so good. Uh, don't be a fuck. <laughs> like growing up in England, that word is like in some circumstances more like punctuation than uh, sort of uh, abuse. And let me tell you, uh, I have had encounters with some of our American cousins. who just had a very different attitude to uh, the C word, eh? Very different. Yeah. <laughs> James is like, I am, my, my congregation are leaving me now. <laughs> like, I think one of the things which is really amazing about your work is that you do make, you know, you hide a lot of the spirituality behind, uh, like very cleverly behind normal language. You know, do you think that 
it then goes and loses something for the people who are reading it? Do you think that it's helpful to go into more of the concepts behind it? And obviously you do write about it, you do it in your, uh, when talking. Like what's gained and what's lost when you sort of uh, put something into such a vernacular uh, language? Um, it's, I, it's hard to answer this because I think I've done different things over the years. And that first book, uh, that was the idea to kind of a bit Trojan horse, just go in with everyday ideas and really easy way. I mean, I, well, the, the book I mentioned that I wrote before, which was called Punk Spirituality, was so no, it was pr impossible to understand because I was very much into, um, you know, the Advaita philosophy. Ad Advaita is basically, I mean, Woody Allen has some good jokes around this kind of philosophy, which is the kind of, I don't really exist. I'm just, all there is, is there's no nouns. There's no me and you, there's just verbs. We're just arising as a, I mean, I wrote a book about that shit and I, I was reading again. Nobody's <laughs> going to get this. I, I hardly get it. I've got, is it only verbs? Yeah, it's mainly only, I only wrote, I wrote only with verbs. Yeah, no, I didn't. But that, that's, that's, that's my kind of parsing of that philosophy in that it's not about nouns, it's about verbs. So there isn't me, there is just the, the meing. There is just the mm. appearance of this for a moment. It's a fascinating philosophy. But so I was responding a bit to my own kind of putting that out with fuck it, which was like, actually, it's just simple stuff. And also the perception that, uh, which is, I suppose, deeper than, than my kind of, just a desire to talk to people in an easy way in a, in a man, in a, and in fact, the first email I got back from anybody after the first, after the first book came out in whenever that was 2006 or 2007 was from a fireman in London who wrote and said, I've just read your book. I loved it. It's really amazing. It's, it's introduced me to subjects. I, I wouldn't be able to talk about down the fire station, but it's really opened my mind. Thank you. And that, I thought this is a great sign. And that's kind of what I was after. I suppose the, yeah, the deep, this is what I'm going to say, the deep, the deeper point I was, I was trying to convey is that, and I suppose this is from my upbringing as well. There's, there's not spirituality and then life. It's not like I have my life, which is all this material life. And then this spirituality exists in church or in my yoga practice or meditation or in the bit where I'm really good. It's like the idea, which, which is kind of infused is, is Taoist infused, I suppose, or energetic principles infused is that everything is spiritual. It's like, we can't, it's, we can't not be spiritual. We can't not be spiritual. We, it's everything. It's like, everything is energy. This is energy. We're energy. The, the thoughts are energy. Everything is energy. Just arising as these apparently separate things, which is a little bit advaita. Uh, so everything is it. There's nothing that's not it. It can't be. There's, by definition, it can't be. So kind of almost like pantheistic idea that God is everywhere and in other religions and philosophers as well. So if it's everywhere, if it's all spiritual, then why are we talking about it as a separate thing? Let's just talk about it as God is in my hamburger and beer, which he, she, it is. It's all manifested as the same stuff. And that's, to me, also tremendously relaxing because there's no then getting from here to there or getting to a higher state or being a certain thing because everything is it. So me swearing, eating burgers, being stupid, being sometimes a bit selfish, and us just talking, you saying the C word, 
this is this is all spiritual mm. and it's and it's a massive kind of ah to me i mean i think we've got to the end of it the uh, yeah, that's lovely. uh yeah i'm yeah. feeling more relaxed <laughs> so am i <laughs> i'm not are sure you james even... but james come on mate you you're so far behind in your career how can you be relaxed <laughs> 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 somehow a failure like myself i could mean be relaxed, of all but, like i mean john you know, can be relaxed i can be relaxed but you i just think you need to probably work a bit harder mate probably probably yeah actually i better get back to it yeah i'm thinking yeah. about my next uh, meeting already <laughs> I was relaxed uh, for a John. moment. Until <laughs> <laughs> Sanderson no, you should, broke it. <laughs> James, you should definitely be relaxed. You're the best and I love you with all of my heart and soul, but you don't need me to love you to be relaxed. You're, yeah, fuck uh, it to your uh, love, Sanderson. <laughs> <laughs> this is, oh, John, this is going to be when our partnership broke down. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, fuck me. all this stuff I'm doing with Live. Sanderson. <laughs> uh, the, uh, do you have any places that we can direct people to? to go and find more of more of you, which I heartily recommend people getting more of you in their lives. Uh, just Googling fuck it, actually. Um, and it takes generally takes people to our site, which is the fuck it life. Gonna try it now. Yeah. Yeah, Google fuck uh, it. Go past Eamon, who's the who's at the top probably. Yes, and, you were right. Eamon yeah. is at the top. Yeah. A few down, you'll probably find us. I've got fuck it urban dictionary. The original oh, fuck it. The fuck it life .com. Yeah, there we go. Hey, that <laughs> wasn't too bad. You were absolutely <laughs> Oh goodness, this is a cool I like the the gif of the people jumping off uh yeah. this is a good website. Oh you've got it really. <laughs> yeah, it's all over it. Uh well look, we're gonna wrap it up and John I uh I've started, I don't know whether people like them or not, but I do them nevertheless, is I just want to go and give you a blessing before we go, because from the moment that we met, uh, I felt that, that we were kindred spirits or certainly connected, and Same I uh, have uh, enjoyed that connection, and it is something that I experienced for a weekend, but all I want to do is encourage you to go and say fuck it to people you don't know, fuck it to people that you do know, and I want you to go and continue spreading and then enjoying that relaxation, and in those times when you're not relaxed and when you're stressed, I want you to find that relaxing anyway, or stressful and enjoy it, but still be relaxed, and to go and be Gaia and John in amazing retreat in Hove, uh, for however uh, long you want to continue doing that because you are an absolute gem, sir. And thank you so, so much for simply being with us right now. Oh, thank you, Sanderson. And thank you, James. I've loved our time together tonight. It's been totally beautiful. And I am also much more relaxed from our time together as well. Feeling lovely. Oh, hey. everyone's relaxed except James. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to that conversation. I mean, I guess one of the things which I've been reflecting on since starting these podcasts is just what a privilege it is for me to speak to these people and to be able to get like a front row seat, uh, sort of being able to like and dig into the minds of these folk who the reason I choose them is I think they're the most fascinating thinkers uh, in this area. And uh, yeah, what uh, John was saying there about, you know, that frontier of, you know, other people's opinions, that frontier of uh, really 
being super concerned about what other people think of you. There's a part of me which loves to go and talk about things, can easily stand up in front of the audience, will maybe make a decision to start, you know, lifefulness, something which is like a whole secular technique to take the best parts of religion and to reimagine them for the modern world i mean that is a project which is imperial which is almost grandiose and yet even though i go and choose to do that sometimes uh there'll be certain emails which can build up in my mind and they will sort of grow and sort of gather all sorts of psychic energy around them meaning that i put them off even more and it is all around what other people think of me and uh, it is all around you know not wanting to let people down or not wanting them to know about something that I find difficult which other people find easy and so yeah well uh, and then then I get into this other thing where I start to feel guilty that I should be uh, not feeling this because here I am doing a podcast talking about personal growth but uh, yeah, it's long ago that I uh, gave up on trying to pretend that uh, everything was uh, okay. Uh, I think one of the handy things about having done stand-up and essentially stand on stage and go, you know what, I'm a dick. Uh, I do this thing, it's dickish. I would like not to be dickish, but what can you do? I'm a dick. Uh, yeah, that's far more my style than the I've gone over here, I'm perfect, I'm all right, everything is uh, a-okay. Yeah, that's that's never going to be... Well, I want to get closer to that, but that's never going to be my style. So, uh, yeah, that was John. Uh, as ever, at the end of the podcast, I like to speak about what's been happening in the community. And so we've been doing these small groups, this pilot small group, which has been really, really interesting and really fun and really rewarding so that's been good and then this week we launched lifefulness 101 and yeah we've already been selling tickets to that and it is a 12-week uh, collective learning experience going to start in january and what happens is people are going to meet up every uh two weeks in small groups to go and yeah to go and really uh sort of get into the big questions of meaning to go and talk about what sort of community you've got and it's basically to put into practice all these things that we speak about on the podcast and we're so excited about that please do go and check it out the details are in the show notes uh the whole for the whole course at the standard price it costs 180 pounds but right now there are that as i i'm probably going to mention this earlier in the podcast yeah the very early bird tickets are only 90 pounds it's 50 percent off so really hope that you're able to get that we'd love to have you join we're super excited about it james and i and uh, yeah that's lifefulness 101 if you go to lifefulness.io forward slash lifefulness hyphen 101 you'll go and find it and uh, yeah that's it for this week so thanks so much to james uh you you are good enough uh, and indeed you're better than me so thanks so much for being part of this uh thanks so much to the our amazing producer Mav Shetty thanks to Will Andrews for the artwork and thanks to Roman Rapak and Miro Schott for the music that you are listening to right now <laughs>